Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Biz Talk for TikTok. Today in the studio, I have my boy who's been a guest on this show in the past, Dylan Smith over from Team Checked, and my colleague, my business partner, Duke McKenzie. In this episode, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff, and I know this is not a TikTok-focused episode, but Web3, NFTs, and the metaverse are all coming up that will involve TikTok in one way or another. If you don't follow me over on social media, you can follow me on TikTok as the Web3 guy. I love to talk about all kinds of things Web3 related, and we're going to be talking about what's the important things that we should look for in the NFT and metaverse spaces and how it is being utilized today by creators. I have a theory that in the next five years, we're going to be seeing a lot more content like this over on our For You page over on TikTok. So it is important to understand this information early so you could be ahead of the game. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's kick this off. Dylan Smith, we have you in the studio today. Some of the listeners might not know who you are and what you do in this space. So give us a little origin story of who you are and your importance in this industry. Well, thank you. I don't know if it's important in this industry, but no. <laughs> It's an amazing, amazing job that we have. We represent in collaboration with you guys, almost 20 creators, and focus on honing in on who their fan base is, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just helping them grow a fan base. It's identifying who those core fans are, who will spend on them, who will spend the most time trying to access them, and then building an economy around those fans for them through merchandise, live events, digital streams metaverse meet and greets we're very focused on bridging the gap between large successful creators and economies such as nfts brands partnerships and all that comes with that so that's the nutshell overview here's the thing i work with creators as well i love creators kyle's mm-hmm. works with creators he loves creators how did you even as part of the origin story get in and start working with creators and just add that because I, I get that question all the time it's such a great question I, you know i want the answer from you guys too because I, I love that question but i started uh-huh. in the touring space in the music economy built some early high school tours focused on mental health and anti-bullying and brought in artists from shows such as American Idol, The X Factor, America's Got Talent, who had the early concept of social influencer or social mm-hmm. following figured out, right? These are the early days when the social economy was new. So for us to be able to bring those into schools and put on concerts, high-level, high-production concerts in front of half a million students over a course of three years was a real powerful entry for me into the space. And I really developed a passion, one, for helping communicate important messages to audience members, but two, giving them experiences that they had never had before. So that Mm -hmm. grew into working with those artists into finding those creators who had these Beatlemania-type fan bases but didn't understand how they could meet them or how to interact with them. No one was putting those pieces together. So it evolved into a hardcore creator economy and not just music artists. And it, it's grown exponentially ever since. That's exciting. That's exciting. You talked about riding the bus with these creators and really being hands-on with them in the beginning when you didn't even know oh, yeah. where their potential was for some of these. And now they've grown into household names, some of these yeah. creators, which is pretty amazing to see. It's it's very exciting and cool to see. And yeah, be, being able to TM some of them in my early days on some of the bigger tours gave me an early relationship with these creators. 
So I got to watch them grow and evolve and develop into smart business individuals. Mm-hmm. And that gave me an appreciation for my experience and skills in the marketing world. I'm mean, 15 years in marketing in my different industries. So it's, it's there's a lot of symbiotic opportunity here between the creators and what I do. And it, I love it. When you say building a business and an economy around your talent and creators, just talk to the audience a little bit more of what you mean. Because when I talk to brands most of the time, and and, and we do that, one of the biggest things I keep on saying is I'm like, you know, you look at this TikToker or this YouTuber or whatever, and they just seem very silly, like this little TikTok video, or whatever, but yet they're building, as you just mentioned, these are business people. These are some of the most entrepreneurial people that you know. So just elaborate a little bit on what you mean when you say you help them and you work with them to build business and economies sure. around them. And the way I like to describe that to, to somebody who asks, let's start with TikTok, for example. You're a TikTok creator with a million followers. Mm-hmm. The average algorithmic response you're going to get on TikTok is 7 to 8% on a good day. So you're talking 70 to 80,000 people interacting on a post if you've got a million followers. Of that, maybe 5% click through. Mm-hmm. So now you're in the 15 to 20,000 range. So with a million followers, you as a creator only have the opportunity to tap into 15,000 of them to really do some damage. So how do you grasp those 15,000 and how do you keep them excited and keep them accessible where you don't have to work through algorithms? So what we do is build those tools, text message databasing. It's Mm -hmm. been a huge tool for us where we give our fans and followers the opportunity to personally text creators. And those creators will then send early releases or exclusive content, discounts to tickets, things that they wouldn't get on social media. So that encourages these fans to stay subscribed. We then have taken that outside of social media into meet and greets and, and tour environments where these fans have an opportunity to hug their favorite creator, which they couldn't mm-hmm. do in a social world. We've built out digital live stream platforms and membership platforms for creators where fans can be on a subscription basis and get exclusive lives off of social media. A lot, a lot of these tools develop an economy where these fans get to hang out, they're accessible, instantly mm-hmm. on demand, and then we get to incentivize them and reward them for doing so. So all of a sudden, these creators have, instead of a million followers with 15% click-through, they've got a million followers with 15,000 spenders. Right. Right, right. That's a great way to look at it. You mentioned things like meet and greets and things like that. But as we're shifting to a Web3 space, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of changes and bringing in this new technology to be able to advance what you're doing. Give me some ideas of how you're looking to leverage the new Web3 space with your creators. Web3, exciting for us, particularly because we've got such a powerful Web2 e-commerce presence. We've jumped into the Web3 as a tool to give people an experience in the metaverse, but also have a familiarity shopping transactionally as they would on 2.0. We looked at that and we were like, hey, we have an opportunity to bring creators into a space and not require in-person attendance and Mm -hmm. be able to reward attendees with discounts, incentives, all without ever leaving their sofa at home. That's a win-win. We, we really began an initiative to develop our 3.0 engagement as a company. That led us into investing in one of the big metaverses out there, Portals. Most are familiar with Decentraland or Sandbox, which are built on the Ethereum chain. Portals is built on Solana. So for us, that was cool for one of two things. It's cheaper for users. It's URL-based, which means no VR required. So any mm-hmm. user can access our spaces via URL. 
but there's all sorts of web free components to it. So what we're doing now is taking those spaces and bringing in creators and doing meet and greets with fans. We're building out the spaces to be utilized as fashion exhibits, album showcases, NFT drops with partners, you name it. So we've developed a full venue economy in, in the metaverse. Have you actually done any virtual meet and greets yet in portals? Mm-hmm. We have. And how are they, and how are they going? Like, describe a little bit more for everybody and like how, how they're going. Yeah, yeah. It's, if you're not familiar with Decentraland and Sandbox, Sandbox you can access with a computer. You can type in a URL. It's going to be a little slow and buggy unless you drop the minimum requirements to have the full game set up. But both VR accessible. That's where you really experience the full gist of what it is. Portals gives us an opportunity to give users that without requiring the VR. So all you do is type in a URL Mm -hmm. and just as you would a website and our digital space pops up on your screen. You then jump in as an avatar. You can dress it, choose the gender, whatever you want. You drop in and you then are in this world hanging out with other users, jumping around through the spaces we've built with full mic capabilities, chat capabilities, et cetera. For us, it it brought the physical meet and greet experience into a virtual world. And that's what Web 3.0 has been for us. The advantage for portals over Decentraland beyond just Solana versus Ethereum is Mm. Decentraland and Sandbox are built horizontally. So as space is bought up, it just gets wider and wider and wider. So sooner or later, you spend 24 hours in a game and you've only gotten halfway through the map, right? Mm. Portals is built like New York City, downtown, high rise, much more dense, a lot more users in a certain area. And that's important for us because of brand partners who want traffic. And it's important for us, for creators who want to bring in new users and traffic just from the outside downtown experience that happen to be there. So we we love it. We're excited for it. And it's proven because we're well into doing these events and going to continue. You did have a successful event. Share a little bit about what that event was or how, how it was successful. We've had three different events that we've run. The most recent we did with one of our creators who built out one of our spaces as his dojo. He's got an NFT series called the NFT Ninjas. And it's an educational series that also includes exclusive access to whitelists and and all sorts of hype projects. All NFT Ninja owners can go in and out of this dojo space anytime they want. And what the creator does is bi-weekly drops in himself for an hour and interacts with them. And while he's not in there, he just leaves it open to to the current holders. And we regularly update the NFTs on the wall. There's poker in there. There's Pac-Man arcades. A lot of experiences for users to just go in and enjoy. And we've seen real success with that. We've had a, a, what, up to 100 people. When I talk to people, they have a hard time wrapping their head around it, saying, are people going to really hang out in portals in one of these spaces? And I say, okay, I have a 13-year-old son. My 13-year-old son, until I cut it off, I was getting these mysterious five to $600 a month charges of, <laughs> of, on my credit card from the 13-year-old son. First, I thought, I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, but what he was doing was, once I made sure it wasn't, you know, any bad stuff, what he was doing was he was basically paying to get extra skins and all those things when mm-hmm. he's hanging out Fortnite. And yeah, he was the one you read about when Fortnite did the uh, Travis Scott concerts and they've done others. I remember watching him and it wasn't a hundred percent like a real concert, but it wasn't zero. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like 100% the real thing. They showed up on time. They're excited. So yep. I'm like, there's a whole group of people that are being trained and not, <laughs> yes. not trained that, that this is normal. This is normal to go 
sure. hang out in one of these places. And there's people who want to learn to hang out. And it's funny because I, I just got a Peloton today. They just delivered okay. it there. Yep. But for virtual reality, even when I give people examples as in, well, what is it? I'm like, well, when you are taking a Peloton class, you're in a virtual experience. It's just, it might be a version 1.0, a very limited one, but you're in a class. Right. People are all over the world. You all are focusing yep. on one point of a thing and you're following along and you can take the mm-hmm. time. So like we are actually much farther along than we think. It's just when people are wrapping yep. their head around, well, what does this all mean? So it's exciting because mm-hmm. when I'm in the business, I'm excited to hear what you're doing. You know what I mean? I'm wrapping yeah, no, like, what you're a playground. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, you, you, you're absolutely right. That was an incredible reference. And people are just scared of meta, the concept, right? Right. right, they, right. They, they think it's another monopolized evolution of web yeah. technology, which mm-hmm. has birthed this decentralized world that is competing to make sure meta doesn't own web 3.0. So yeah. the amount of people have been like, I, I don't I don't get this. I, I can't even begin to comprehend the metaverse. So it's like, well, just click this link and hop in. And they're like, wait, I'm in? Like, yeah, right. welcome to the metaverse. So, right, yeah, you're, you're exactly. Right, exactly. It yeah. is, and you know what's funny, Duke? You made a good point, but uh, some people still disregard Gen Z, which my kids are Gen Z, but some of them are as, as young as eight and ten, who still make a huge impact in our buying purchases as a household. They're making massive impacts on our decision making, and right. they are conditioned. They've grown up with this. So to them, the metaverse is like, what are you talking about? We've been doing this our whole life with Roblox and and, and Fortnite's exact same concept. 100%. When Zuckerberg did his announcement, the meta announcement, you know, you go into that, Dylan. It's funny because my kids, they're like, we're doing all these things. Like, 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 they're like, they're like, what's the the announcement? He's going to build more places (laughs) like Roblox? Yeah, exactly. Basically, yes. With the VR thing, what's the announcement? That's so so true. true. Yeah. So true. I've been conditioning my son because he's 10 and I'm like, look, Jace, you love gaming. There's capabilities to actually earn and play. Now there's people making a living playing video games in the web three space. And that blows my mind. And he's like, show me the game and I'll play it. (laughs) So I might start training him so he can be making money for me. Yeah. Tokenized games. Let me ask you a question. One of the blessings that you have in your business is that you get to work with creators. You're working with a lot of young people. You're seeing a lot of these changes. You just hosted an event. A hundred people came through your event and portals and you're seeing all these things. What have you seen over the last, I don't know, I would say since the beginning of the year that's got you excited. Anything interesting that's, wow, this is hitting different or, or whatever that is. We're deeply involved in the music side. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a record label out in Nashville. A lot of the artists and clients I've had are you know, primarily from music, but just happen mm-hmm. to build successful followings on the social side. That is really exciting to me from an intellectual property standpoint, from mm-hmm. a royalty standpoint. I'm seeing some really cool technology for music drops, and I'm seeing independent creators and creators on our roster we're working with dropping music as NFTs and making mm-hmm. $150,000, $200,000 up front on their drop, which in a traditional label deal, you'd make probably 60, 70 K off of that mm-hmm. by the time you're mm-hmm. done with their expenses and splits. So that economy to me is super exciting. And then being able to bring music into the 3.0 experiences. I, I think it's a whole new world that we get to create the rules as they go. So that, that's very exciting for me. I think the interactivity is a no, is a no brainer. That's what's drawing everybody to it. You're going to see creative things you can't imagine. You just walk around the Central Lander sandbox and you can see the infinite ideas people have constructed. That really excites me. It's giving artists and creatives an opportunity to 
compete with infrastructure in a world that, you know, traditionally gridlocked them. I think for me in the position we're in between brands and businesses and creators to be able to build that bridge between 2.0 commerce and in a 3.0 space is three days a week is what I wake up thinking about and going to sleep at night thinking about. It's a really exciting aspect for me. What do you think Web3 specifically for the way e-commerce is going to be moving toward? What what are your early thinking thoughts of what's going to come next? Yeah, I think you're going to have a mixture of things. So with our utility, you've got the fashion spaces that we build out, catwalks, and you can place all sorts of different NFTs or digital images, visuals throughout the walls. Those are clickable from within the space, right? So we can link those exclusively to discounts and only have the discounts apply when they click within the space. So that there's that scarcity that incentivizes attendance, which is important to brands and we love. Mm-hmm. So I think you're just going to see some cool events develop around the fashion economy there. I think you're going to see some augmented reality integration with this VR mm-hmm. and it's going to soon be where any avatar that you choose and any outfit that's available digitally as well as physically, mm-hmm. you can select among and that avatar will walk out in a VR experience and you can see a full 360 mock-up of what those clothes look like, order it, boom, they show up at your doorstep next day via exactly. Amazon or whoever's fulfilling, right? So mm-hmm. th- that's where I see that going. And then I think that's going to bridge a whole new gap for people who have to try things on first. And that's going to be a huge thing for companies that struggle with returns. Absolutely. Uh, I-, I see that evolving and evolving very quickly. I shared an article with Duke, and I wanted to mention this because it's a good point, but American Eagle announced that they will be partnering with Roblox and developing their technology for the avatars be able to have American Eagle clothes. And that is a really big deal that people need to pay attention to because we're going to start seeing that a lot. And their target Mm -hmm. is Gen Z, who my daughter plays Roblox on a daily basis. So she's going to see these new skins and be like, I want to go to American Eagle exactly. and wear my avatar's clothes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's exactly right. You, you saw that with Nike acquiring Artifact. You know, Ar- mm-hmm. Artifact is one of the early developers of the NFT sneakers, right? Mm-hmm. So Ni- Nike acquired them for an undisclosed sum. We always know what that means. So something astronomical. Yeah, um, yeah. So they're moving into the digital space. Beyond ordering product and getting the tangible product after that, you're also in a world where on blockchain, you buy an outfit and the outfit remains on your avatar as long as you want. So right. we're, we're moving into that that digital fashion space where you're owning tangible clothing in the metaverse. So mm-hmm. it's very cool. And the thing is when people say, will someone buy a shoe or a shirt or something like that? It's happening now. Like tomorrow totally. is today. Like it's happening today. Oh, yeah. It's happening right now. I have the credit card bills to show. And it's and it's even worse because <laughs> totally. it's happening now. He can't even resell the garbage he's buying. Right? At least on the That's block. Exactly. Like, yes. You know what I mean? Like yep. all those skins, exactly. all of those special knickknacks and whatever he's buying that were bought in all of these video games. So how yep. Fortnite has made billions of dollars, Roblox, billions of dollars. That has all been goods that has not provided any value to the user. Whereas you go now and you buy an American Eagle authentic piece of clothing NFT, you could trade it. Even if you buy it, yes. sell it secondhand or something, 100%. it has exactly. value versus yes. all of those yep. billions of dollars in the gaming before had, had no value. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And those games aren't cross-platform. You know, right. So when you that's spend an, an enormous amount of money on one game, 
<laughs> what, good, what good does it do you in the other game? Hundred percent. You buy it exactly. You ETH. You can hop in any metaverse that supports ETH, assuming they have the infrastructure for the avatars to use that. Yep. And, and you can use that clothing infinitely across all worlds. So yeah, exactly. I I own yeah. some metaverse shoes, and I'm so excited to wear them in the metaverse because they're really cool. <laughs> Dude, I want to. <laughs> They're really yeah. cool. <laughs> That's funny. If you guys don't mind, let me just take this back one second. You mentioned that you purposely made a bet and a partnership leveraging portals. And one of the differences with portals is that it is built on Solana, the cryptocurrency. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about it and just back up with everyone listing is in. Okay. Basically, the two main sources of NFTs right now are ETH. And Solana, Ethereum. right? Like, and the differences uh, that the, the, I talk a little bit about the differences and a little bit about sure. why you made that bet and, and all those exactly. things. And it could be, it could be very elementary because we're all, this is a podcast <laughs> yeah. about learning. We're bringing everyone yeah, on, yeah, no, everyone on the board. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. At this point, I'm sure most people know that there are multiple cryptocurrencies, right? Mm-hmm. Ethereum is a cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Solana is a cryptocurrency. Each cryptocurrency is built on its own blockchain and has its certain rules and coding and requirements, right? The way Ethereum is built, the miners, and a miner is someone whose computer processes a transaction, right? You use a credit card at Walmart, Visa processes that transaction for you. So it goes to one spot, right? When you use Ethereum, somebody's personal computer that's logged into the network and mines processes that transaction. So it's not mm-hmm. just a company, it's now millions of users around the globe. So both Ethereum and Solana work in that way. The difference mm-hmm. is Ethereum, because of its demand and cost of use, has much higher gas fees than Solana. Mm-hmm. And a gas fee is basically a transactional fee. So you pay two point whatever percent on a credit card, you can pay 10 to 15% sometimes. Dude, with Ethereum, re- re- right? I, I want you to continue. I just bought my sure. name, I am ETH. The price of the I am Duke McKenzie was like 0.001 ETH. It was super exactly. cheap. I paid the equivalent of like $100 or $150 in gas. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Solana, and people can do their research, right? I'm not going to go through all of the pros and cons of each. They each have them. But Solana's gas fees are less than a tenth of a percent of the mm-hmm. ethereum's like most and, and is it because in, in your opinion right now and and i know this is not a show about recommend, recommend we're just we're all here learning but do you think it's because it's how it's mined or is it because it's less popular right now mixture of both yeah mixture yeah. definitely yeah mm-hmm. as things get more utilized the demand increases the price increases but it's yeah. you know, you look at the war in uh, russia and ukraine for example a lot of the early Ethereum miners came from Russia. And then when Russia shut down cryptocurrency, they all moved to Ukraine. So now right. that Russia's moving into Ukraine, you're, I mean, right. it, it's, it's a reality. That's affecting Ethereum gas fees and Bitcoin right. gas fees because when your miners are plugging and unplugging, you're losing support in your network. It's volatile from world events. Solana is just not as volatile quite yet. And just the gas fees are not as astronomical. So for us, it, it's more feasible for the average user. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Every cryptocurrency has its issues and growing pains, but Mm -hmm. Solana is uh, great support, great structure, great technology, great security. Ethereum is still trying to catch up with its evolved security standard, the new ERC standards, and traditional Ethereum isn't even up to its current standards. There's (laughs) a lot of things you got to weigh when you make these decisions. Just shows we're still so new into this space. It's so fun. I'm loving it. Yeah. Just getting started. 
Just getting started. That's, that's actually my theme for 2022 is how early we are on everything and it's all getting started, which is crazy. Well, it's it good. It's, it's very exciting. Definitely. Well, listen, I appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot for the time. And we'll see you on the business side. Well, there's a bunch more deals coming. Out, bro. So uh, we'll yeah. keep going, man. Yeah. We're, we're working it. I'm excited. Love this. All right. This is fun.